in three, two, one. This is Acting Mastery. I'm Ben Matthews. Welcome to the debut episode of the Acting Mastery podcast. I'm your host, Ben Matthews. I'm a director, actor, screenwriter, and acting coach, and I'm the founder of Acting Mastery, an acting studio based in Sydney, Australia. Acting Mastery is committed to empowering actors in their craft and careers, leaving them free to be and free to act with authenticity, nothing in the way of their full self-expression, and with peace of mind. Our mission is grounded in the three pillars of an actor's career, mastering the craft, developing a powerful, resilient, and growth-oriented mindset, and actively creating and making the most of every opportunity. Today, we have the privilege of diving deep into the world of film and performance with the exceptionally talented Kim Farrant, a director and acting coach known for her unique ability to draw out raw, powerful, truthful performances from her actors. Kim is an Australian director claimed for her gripping mysteries and thrillers. She has a distinguished career that spans a variety of genres. Kim's foundation in both directing and acting has equipped her with a profound understanding of the actor's craft. Her film work includes the Netflix hit The Weekend Away, which topped Netflix's global charts upon its release, and Strangerland, a Sundance Grand Jury Prize nominee that starred Nicole Kidman, Joseph Fine and Hugo Weaving. Kim also directed Angel of Mine with Numi Rapace, Yvonne Strahovski and Luke Evans which further showcased her versatility and skill in eliciting deeply nuanced performances. Kim's approach to acting and directing emphasizes the raw truth in performance, a philosophy that has guided her to teaching and other creative endeavors. We couldn't be more thrilled to host Kim Farrant and to have her here today as our first guest on the Acting Mastery podcast. This interview was recorded shortly after one of her masterclasses, Raw Truth in Performance. Kim Farrant, welcome to Acting Mastery. Thank you so much for having me. We have had the privilege of witnessing a pretty incredible, I would almost say sacred day of work in your Raw Truth in Performance masterclass. And I really don't use the word sacred lightly, but there is something incredibly powerful that you do uh, with these student actors. Can you tell us a bit about how you began teaching this workshop? How did it, how did it evolve? That's a great question. Firstly, thank you for witnessing and presencing the workshop. How did it evolve? I, I've taught a lot at different Uh, acting studios over the years and film schools as well and I think I think what happened was that I had tools that I'd learned and then things that I'd devised for myself and for my own craft and for my own directing and for my own like understanding of actors and how to get performance out of actors and then at a certain point I felt limited by the uh, course outlines that I was being asked to design for other studios Mm -hmm. and limited by the paradigms that the people that ran those studios lived in and what they needed. And so I I was like, okay, I'm going to start this for myself. And what happened was I was in Australia for the premiere I think it was of Strangerland mm. in 2015. And um, my visa um, got denied to go to America because I applied for the wrong visa. <laughs> and so I was suddenly here in Australia for like seven weeks or some, six weeks or something. And I was like, what am I going to do? And I was right. like, I'm going to teach. Mm. I'm going to teach my own thing. And so I just put out an email to a bunch of actors and I was like literally like I mean it's like Monday I'm going to start this on Saturday who's in and then like 12 people responded and the first one we ever did was in 
uh, the tiniest room in Sydney <laughs> at a friend's <laughs> psychotherapy practice. And it had lots of mattresses and like foam mattresses on the floor. And I was like, this is awesome. We can make as much noise as we want. And But we we're all like crammed into this <laughs> dining room and just started doing different practices and things that I've learned in my life from various modalities of both therapy, women's circle, um, movement-based stuff. I come originally from a dance background and then I started acting. Mm-hmm. Um couple years of that and then moved into film and so like many of those processes are just stuff that I've like learned something somewhere and then made it my own or things that I've just organically devised within myself because I tried them out on myself right and they worked for me and then over time I refine it and even Today, working with the actors, I'm refining as I go. I'm feeling the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, we went into a deep, deep, deep dive this morning, and they all came back after lunch, and everyone was exhausted. And I was like, right, we need to get them into their child play playtime. We need to play yeah. for ten minutes. And so, like, there's also like a sensing and feeling things as we move. Mm. And then, you know, I've done a lot of. Uh, seeking and questing in my life, a lot of uh, reading, a lot of therapy, a lot of journaling, a lot of working with different teachers, you know, in terms of like spiritual teachers and stuff. So there's a lot of that learning that kind of sinks into the funnel of and how do I best be of service to a character? Mm. How do I help the actor free themselves from the blocks? Because that was the main thing I saw is it doesn't matter how much craft you teach someone, mm-hmm. if they're emotionally blocked, then they're just going to be mimicking the craft and there's going to be no depth or substance or electricity or fire or like unpredictability. And that's the shit that I want to see when I'm directing. I could so not I agree like, more. How can I help people unblock? Mm. Oh, that's what I'm good at in my life. Like that's what I've grown up, you know, feeling household, you know, psychiatrist father, counselor mother. We had a red padded cell in our house growing up. A padded cell? A red padded cell, fully satin, red, fully padded, soundproof, where we would go and express our feelings. Wow. So feelings in that zone is like a very comfortable for me having grown up in that space, not to say that my childhood didn't have its own stuff mm-hmm. like everyone it did. However, I was always encouraged to go deeper go underneath that and underneath that and feel energetics you know Mm. and because of my own pain and stuff i've been on a mission my whole life to find the truth in my body right and that's what then you know was like your voids drive your value like that has driven a need for truth and embodiment in the work or at least the work with actors i want to work with Mm. so Kind of a mixture of all of those things and then just moments of just deep prayerful meditation before I work each day like mm. tell me how to be of service like tell me how to respond like tell me what does this person need how do I best show up how do I be a gift and then I just trust that when it comes through and a lot of compassion huge amount of compassion it seems very instinctive for you in terms of what somebody needs at any given moment is that something that you always had a a a kind of a a gift for is it something that you developed over time i I think i have learned that from my mentors Mm. and my mom yeah in particular a really compassionate mom Mm. and she really just you know role modeled unconditional love what a gift yeah such a gift, such a blessing. And then mentors that I've sought out, and I believe we all need mentors because we don't live mm. in tribe no. in a traditional way anymore. So we need elders. So I have elders, I have crones, <laughs> women that I go to, and men that I go to and I seek advice from and I seek counsel from and I sit with in circle and I do that deep personal work so that when I show up in my creative life, my own stuff is attended to mm-hmm. so that my shit's not in the way so that I can be a channel and a vessel for the work, for the movie, for the actor. Mm-hmm. And that's, I suppose, what I'm teaching the actors is like how to discover your blocks, 
how to work with them kindly, mm. but like with ferocious love to help lift them, move them, have a relationship with them so that you're not strangled by them so that then you can be a vessel for the character. You can be of service for things to move through you. You've directed some extraordinary films. Oh, um, it's true. Um, and certainly chief among them, Stranger Land, which um, was, was it your feature debut? It was actually. I'd made a a documentary feature before that, Naked on the Inside, but it was mm. my first drama feature. What was your process of, um, I guess, leaving acting behind and becoming a director? So, it's a funny story. Um, one day when I was at acting school. Mm. <clears throat> Whereabouts? Oh, I'm not going to say, but <laughs> okay. let's just say sure. there was a teacher mm-hmm. who was inebriated Mm -hmm. that particular day and so the head of the school rocked into the classroom and said okay Kim I'm gonna get you to direct the play today wow and I did direct the play that day and it was like the first time ever in my life where I was like oh my god I'm finally in my skin Mm. like this is this is who I am Mm. This, this is it this is me and no fear I felt just excitement and love and it just coming through me I was like oh my god so I I that kind of opened the world for me and then I kept so bless that person who was mm-hmm. drunk because <laughs> um, it, it did open my entire life for me and then I uh, kept acting and I did some you know, short films and video clips and whatnot. How old were you at the time that you directed that play? Twenty one. Wow. And then I started like transitioning into writing and making short films. And then when I was twenty six, I went to Australian Film Television Radio School mm. after making a bunch of shorts and you know trying to find my way as a writer director. Hmm. And what was that experience like after film school? Yeah, yeah, that was incredible. Mm. It was amazing. I learned so much, and I I'd left home when I was sixteen and run off to India to live in a commune. Wow! So at twenty six to suddenly be rocking up to you know university and mm. a degree, and I ended up getting a master's with honors. But I spent ten years roaming the earth between then and, and uni. <laughs> um, so I was like super committed, yeah. dedicated. I just drank it in loved it and also spent another three years unlearning some of the rules that i've just learned Mm -hmm. some of the things that maybe didn't serve me Mm. however i would never exchange that experience because i got to create every day i Mm. like such a we're so spoiled in this country in terms of funding Mm -hmm. being supported I got to be at film school like for three years and make, I think I made like 11 films. Wow. Extraordinary. Incredible people, some of whom I still work with today. Yeah. So, yeah. And and I had incredible mentors and yeah, my whole like world just went, it was awesome. After film school, um, what was your journey from there to making your first feature? Um, So on my graduation night, I got, um, asked to be represented by an agent and so that opened up like the possibilities of like i did some tv and i made some half hour docs and then i made my feature doc and Mm. i also joined a commercials company i took all my short films and recut them into commercials wow yeah and just gave them new graphics and new storylines and made them 30 seconds you were able to turn them into ads yeah and then I started doing ads. So I was still doing drama within the ads, mm. but I was developing this kind of um, massive documentary project that took six years of my life called Naked on the Inside. Mm. And then at the same time, developing a script about, you know, what happens when you can't trust your family and who do you know or, or, or like, how do you know what's going on under your own roof kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Wrote an entire film had a script reading and then went, this is garbage. 
<laughs> and threw it out, but took the one line of premise of like this fascination with how well do we know our family, those mm. we love, and then took that through my agent to a writer, amazing writer, Conan Fiona series. Yeah. And then together we developed a story, and then she wrote the screenplay for Strangerland. Um, and that was an incredible process. And it was from the first of inception and meeting her to premiering at Sundance, 13 years. 13 years. Wow. <laughs> that gives time. me a little bit more hope. Oh, does say, it? Good. The current yeah. feature well, I'm working and, on. And, and I loved <clears throat> the story. So I was passionate about it. And I yeah. just kept at it and at it. And we got it financed. It fell over. We got it financed. It fell over, you know, like four times or something. Mm. And then eventually got it financed. And how? What was the process like of of casting Nicole Kidman and Joseph Fine and um, Hugo Weaving? It's such an extraordinary yeah, cast. I was so lucky because Hugo was in my first, second. He was in my second short film. Great. Um, called No One to Blame, mm. and um, and so when we had the script for Strangerland, I took it to him in a first draft and he mm. read it and he loved it and he attached. So that made it a lot easier right. to then, you know, eventually. And we, we, we had a casting process where we had cast someone else and then they dropped out for whatever reason. And then eventually Hugo's agent in America read it after years of not reading <laughs> and then gave it to Nick and then Nicole read it and then she loved it. And when I call like the next day, Nicole Kidman wants to do the movie, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> and so, you know, suddenly that meant the film could get financed, and, right. and we were, you know, off to the races. I think, but it was a long development process, yeah. really long process, and a lot of no's and a lot of rejections and a lot of this is too much, and a woman wouldn't do this. Mm. And, a mother wouldn't do this and a lot of judgment and they really had to fight for the integrity of the characters and you know what goes on my whole thing was like how do we know what goes on behind closed doors right and yet people were telling me like well a woman wouldn't do that <laughs> and i was like well how do you know that's you right. don't know what goes on behind closed doors yeah right that's right part of the magic of filmmaking yeah. is we get to peek behind those doors yeah yeah, yeah. wow yeah. And then what was that like, suddenly having this A-list Hollywood actor attached? What was your rehearsal process like? How do you, uh, did you feel intimidated um, working with someone of that caliber? I guess by that stage you, you knew your story inside out. What was your process like? And, and I guess how much of the work that you do in the workshops um, becomes a part of that rehearsal process? Mm. So I hadn't started doing the workshops at that time when I was directing right. Strangeland. I just started them just after, but I had been teaching a lot. So mm. I already had a bunch of my own tools. Yeah. Um, I feel very comfortable with actors. That's like my happy place. So mm. it's, they're like my tribe. They're my people. Yeah. I actually find it harder being with crew. Right. I really do. Yeah. Because I always feel like, I'm that weird one that's like really <laughs> emotional and intense and deeply feeling and deeply sensitive. And everyone else seems to be like really like technical, technical and cool. <laughs> and what the fuck is wrong with me? So when the actors arrive, I'm like, oh, my people, my people, you're here, Thank <laughs> right? You. Yeah. Um. So I mean, it was an interesting casting process, and rehearsal process was like with Nick. I had two days. Only two days. Only two days. Uh, due to schedule and um, Joe I had I think I had six days mm -hmm. I had I had a good amount of time with Hugo I can't remember how many days but Joe came in late mm -hmm. so throughout the shoot we had six day weeks of shooting every Sunday Joe and I would meet for a few hours mm -hmm. and work on his character because mm -hmm. I think he only came in 10 days before we started filming wow so he didn't have like what Nicole and I did have was, you know, we had phone calls and emails and correspondence prior to showing up to rehearsal, so we were very aligned on the character. Mm -hmm. um, I did things like, you know, Stranger Land is, is about a mother whose child goes missing. Mm -hmm. So I had a friend who had had a child die mm -hmm. at a very young age. 
So I brought her in to meet Nicole and Joseph and share her experience, things like that. And that really like made it so real of like what it's like to lose a child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, rehearsal wise, we mostly just talked through the scenes mm-hmm. and made sure we were all on the same page in terms yeah. of the subtext and what the characters wanted. We did, you know, like, we didn't get the scenes up on the floor except for we blocked some of the sex scenes mm. just to make sure there was really clear boundaries and we knew what we were doing and what we needed. Um, then with some of the other actors, I did run some moments just for, like, getting a vague feeling of the blocking and just to make sure that the characters, you know, like that I'd seen them live before we were filming to make mm-hmm. sure that we were in agreement on the direction they were going right. and what we wanted to do with them. And then some of the less experienced actors, like Madison and mm-hmm. Nicholas, mm. who played the kids, yeah. you know, Madison had never acted before. Wow. Nick had. But I spent time, like, doing improvs and, like, spending time in, like, the, the relationship dynamics just so they felt more comfortable with each other and with getting direction and being on set and all that stuff. So I, I find... Like every actor has different needs. So like with Main White, he mm. was so incredible and so open. So we would do a lot of sensory work before a take. Right. So I'd be like whispering questions in his ear as the camera department were rolling up and sound was rolling up and asking questions and everyone would wait 30 seconds to a minute and I'd finish with the questions and then we'd go straight into buttoning on mm. and he was just like full to right. the rim and then yeah. out this thing would spill or like Nick loves to improvise and I love to improvise so we would improvise together mm. stuff I'd call stuff out in the middle of a take mm. um, it's kind of like no rules where people don't want rules and then rules where people do whatever each actor needs mm. kind of i would modulate accordingly accordingly mm. it can get tricky sometimes but mostly you know really helpful and and i was so grateful like joseph was so open to mm. all my tools so i had him like doing personalization mm-hmm. putting people on the wall like mm-hmm. metaphorically and you know like doing visualizations and all sorts of stuff to get where he needed to get, you know, or like um, right before a take, like, you know, fueling him up with something that I know would really piss him off when mm. he needed to be in a rageful moment where he beats up the character Birdie. Right. Like, and yep. he was just like open slather, just like. How wonderful. He just absorbed all the tools and went for it. What did you learn mm-hmm. about working with actors? Um, from that experience of working with people who really are at the top of their game? Um, Sometimes the best thing is just to leave them alone. Mm -hmm. That was one thing that I learned. Mm. Uh, To push sometimes, Mm -hmm. even when the actor is in resistance, Mm -hmm. to really, like, hear them Mm -hmm. and hear the exhaustion or hear the feel their energetic resistance but anyway go deeper and just trust my knowing that i can feel something moving in the body and i'm going to go after it i'm right. going to like ask the questions i'm going to probe i'm going to be the uncomfortable one mm. who goes to the place that even for them might be uncomfortable and later always there would be gratitude right thank you for being with me in that even though i was resistant and and it's not an easy task because, you know, there's like like anyone, there's a part of me that wants to be liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. in some moments, taking someone to a place that's really uncomfortable and holding them there and not letting it dissipate because it's uncomfortable, but just staying in it. Now, that doesn't mean in any way being in any way mean to anyone or uncaring or, or abusive or anything like that. But it means like there's a demon in this being that needs mm-hmm. to come out in service of this character who in this moment is enraged right. and so i'm going to face that demon with you mm-hmm. and help you to bring it out or just witness you as you bring it out and ask you for more mm-hmm. yeah and keep pushing till i know like okay boom now i've cracked it okay 
and now this character's flying. So it's it's a, it's an ability to be with the discomfort of the edge of people's comfort zone, <laughs> you know, rather than like, oh, my God, like I can feel the actor wanting to shut down, therefore like, oh, I'll just make it all okay. It's like, no, this is the this is the juicy bit. And holding space and holding space and holding space. Plus, I have a rigorous self-care routine. So, like, mm. meditate in the mornings. I do some kind of physical exercise, whether it's swimming or running. When I shoot, I hire a masseuse and I get massaged once or twice a week. Very wise. I also, in Strangerland, hired the masseuse, three masseuses, and every single person of that crew got a massage. Oh. And the cast got a few. What a gift. And I hired a chiropractor. So I bring in the self-care, I pay for it myself because I'm like, I need this. Mm -hmm. I need to, and I get someone to cook for me. Mm -hmm. So I get my needs met so that I can give. And I tend to my own needs emotionally so that I can show up with an open heart Mm -hmm. and not in all the stress that is inevitably filmmaking. (laughs) You spoke during the course to a tool that you um, had used in rehearsals with Nicole in terms of having her think about who she was representing. Yes. Yeah. Could you speak to that a yeah, little bit? Yeah, yeah. So sometimes, um, you know, the actor can just like, because of the very demanding nature of filmmaking, be exhausted mm. or their emotional body is shutting down because they've just, it's been really draining and they've had to do a lot of crying scenes or a lot of, you know, showing their anger or whatever. And they're like, they're just their systems like spent mm-hmm. and so there was a moment where she had to this massive scene in the film where a character like fully breaks and cracks mm-hmm. and it was like you know the sun was going down it was the end it was like ninth hour of the day it was in 40 degree heat on the side of a mountain and she's exhausted i'm exhausted everyone's exhausted however i could see that her system was kind of like shutting down Mm. and so i went to her and i said nicole i need you to do this scene for all the women in the history of time who've ever been oppressed and then wow she just like rose up like this wild banshee and just Unleashed. She actually started acting before we were filming. We were like chasing her. <laughs> tail slate. And tail slating <laughs> yeah. and freaking out and stumbling over and there's cables everywhere. And we're just like, mm. these DPs were just trying to follow her. But she just gave the most phenomenal performance. Oh, it's extraordinary. And it was something moment. bigger than her. Yeah. It was, she was doing it. And I think when we anchor ourselves in doing something for a reason bigger than ourselves, we can achieve incredible things and she did in that moment it's like you get yourself out of the way totally yeah totally and she was doing it for all the women Mm. who'd ever been oppressed and all the little girls and all the teenagers extraordinary i have a friend who likes to say that your philosophy is your practice Mm -hmm. do you have an underlying philosophy about acting or about directing that you think I guess underlines your process and and the process that you've been working with our actors the last few days? Yeah. I think a a part of my understanding is that I can't take anyone anywhere that I'm not willing to go myself. Agree. So if I'm asking the actor to really open and be vulnerable, I have to have done that work myself to be able to hold it energetically and for them to feel even if it's unconsciously that i am totally good with Mm. their level of vulnerability because if they feel a whiff or a sniff of the director's overwhelm or shutdown or Mm. terror or Mm -hmm. trauma that is getting in the way of them being able to hold space and open to this and open and open and open and open then they will shut down energetically. Mm-hmm. So my understanding is whatever I'm asking the actor to do, I have to be willing to do myself and have done that depth of work. The same for the expression of rage, the same for sexuality yeah. energy, crazy energy. So yeah. And, and the part of what I do in rehearsals is something I hadn't even thought of, but I will make sure that I 
let the actor see that version of me. So I'll say to them, you know what, I'm going to inhabit mm -hmm. my desperate self mm -hmm. in this moment and I'm going to show you. Or I'm going to inhabit my rage and demonstrate with, you know, this rapist person that mm -hmm. I once encountered. Yeah. And I'm going to show you that rage, how it lives and walks and breathes in me. And that way there's a willingness to be as exposed and, and have all of you seen and felt mm. that gives them a safety of like, oh, she's got me mm -hmm. and she's not afraid of my stuff. I'm not too much. I mean, it's interesting to, you know, something that, that we talk about in, in the classes I teach is how um, sometimes in life we don't give ourselves permission to go that far. Mm -hmm. um, so if what, what makes an actor think that they can just do that in a scene if they haven't been willing to give themselves that kind of permission in a safe space yeah. to kind of go to the nth degree so that it you know so that whatever the scene requires you know that you can go there and that you can go there safely yes the safety is the key to that's that that's it because you can pop an actor sure. unconsciously and then traumatize them completely so yeah. yeah like in a safe space where which is why it's so important for me to in when i teach to help empower the actor to become their own parent yeah to presence their feelings and their discomfort and their uncomfortable feelings to bring awareness presence love compassion towards that and that's only can be done energetically it's not a head thing no it's a felt sense embodied experience um and it's not external it's from themselves exactly yeah exactly which then so empowers them so helps them go out into their life with a resource of self to mm. be that for self. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say that's a big part of my philosophy and understanding too is that you're empowering the actor with themselves as the support, ground, witness self, um, compassion towards all of the inner stuff of the child as opposed to you become that for them mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah can you speak to on that note i guess also the importance in terms of creating a safe space of boundaries mm -hmm. yeah so as i said before i think our voids drive our values mm. and as a child there was an absence of boundaries in my household mm. uh, there was amazing beautiful stuff and an absence of boundaries mm -hmm. and so for me it became really clear when I was in my 30s and for six years I was on my own mm -hmm. and I had a one-bedroom apartment and I had so the living room and then the bedroom there was a door and I would lock my bedroom door not just my daughter the the stairwell where everyone else was mm -hmm. but my bedroom door and I was like wow, this is like a little thing. Like I'm really like creating a boundary here between me and the living room, <laughs> little alone me in the outside world. And so that made me reflect on like, oh, wow, I really need, I was in a cocoon for six years and I really needed that to find some safety. I was making that documentary about the body, mm. body stuff. And it really showed me that with healthy boundaries and strong boundaries and clear boundaries and learning to articulate one's boundaries and also physicalize one's boundaries. Mm. So I also teach people how to like physically have a boundary right. and voice that goes with it, that then they can feel safe. And when they can feel safe, then our stuff can unravel and unpack mm. yeah. and feelings can come up mm. and move and smash concrete that's mm -hmm. calcified in the body however without boundaries it's just the child's just like i'm unsafe and so therefore the fight fight freeze surrender guardians mm -hmm. mechanisms survival instincts will come into place and then you're just dealing with blocks right and that's it yeah so the boundaries in creating the container which is why in the raw truth there's no physical touch mm -hmm. 
that's a whole other workshop where mm-hmm. we teach embodied physical touch that's full of boundaries and sacred processes to make people feel empowered so that they can then have physical touch without leaving their body, without transgressions, mm. without hurting themselves or others. So boundaries for me are super important and then they allow the wild self to come out. Mm. It's like you give a child a container yeah. and here's the framework and here's the boundary and here's where you're safe and then they can play. It's the same with an adult. It's like you give really strong boundaries and the boundaries are no physical touch, no hitting of self or other or the walls. Mm-hmm. Occasionally I'll let like a table, designated table be slammed, mm-hmm. but no one else. And then no hitting on people, mm-hmm. no, no like trying to get people's phone numbers, mm-hmm. trying to like hook up, da da da. I'm like, that just creates a whole other layer where people feel like, oh, if I show this part of myself, someone's just going to hit on me. Mm-hmm. So we create a boundary, a boundary around sexual intimacy. And I also say to people when I'm working on a film, you know, love comes in all different places and sizes and whatever. But when you're on a film and your heart's like constantly opening, especially when you're being creative, it's easy to like feel like you're falling in love with someone right the next thing you know you're tumbling into bed and then the next day in the scene you've got to be like having an argument or you tumbled into bed then you had a real argument in real life and then in the next day in the scene you've got to be all in love with each other and actually in that moment you fucking hate that person right. so it's just like such a minefield yeah i just say to people like if there's an attraction there if it's meant to be yours it will there'll be time patience just be <laughs> in the use the time to be in the creative energy feel the attraction Mm. but you don't have to act on it because it does create a whole level of complexity and everyone's an adult they can do what they want but that's my offering Mm. to people and also in the master classes i just say no hitting on people no asking of numbers no sexual innuendos Mm. all that stuff it can all wait can you speak to the difference between raw truth and performance and your sexuality workshop yeah, so raw truth in performance is very much about finding, ironically, your boundaries and your truth right. and embodying that and finding what are the emotional blocks that prevent you from accessing all parts of character, mm. um, all parts of self, sorry, in service of character. And then the sexuality on screen is very much about how do you embody the sexuality of the character in a truthful way that is with you present, mm-hmm. not leaving your body, not going into fight mode, not going numb, and not just going, you know what, surrender, fuck it, do whatever you want to me, right. and letting transgressions happen. So that work I started doing actually before I made Strangerland. I started teaching sexuality workshops at an acting studio in Melbourne because I saw that no one was teaching it and i would hear these stories from actors of transgressions that were happening right so i started running these sexuality workshops and the main thing was boundaries mm-hmm. finding your boundaries learning to articulate them finding your own edge all the inhibitions all the fears all the shaming all the story all the social conditioning around sex all the parental stuff mm. all the cultural stuff and then with very clear boundaries and then I devise like a process which I still use with actors on set and then when I teach sexuality on screen I use it which is like a step-by-step incremental embodiment process which involves a lot of boundaries Mm -hmm. before you are ever having any kind of touch or sexual contact and it applies to fight scenes as well and then that way by the time you've established all of those boundaries really clearly, and it, it literally is like a two-page document, mm-hmm. step-by-step processes that, that happen, embodiment processes, mm. so that the actor can be in the scene and not go into flight mode where they're out of the body mm-hmm. or they're just numb, nothing's going on. And that, that just gives you non-specific, no energetic connection. Right. No chemistry. Know, no chemistry. And also sometimes can just be really fucking weird right because you're watching an actor who's frozen and the other actors doing stuff to them right. yeah and you're seeing and feeling an actor really uncomfortable just praying it's going to be over soon 
Mm. And yet you're meant to be thinking like these two characters are getting it on or or maybe it's a rape scene and it's horrific and one actor is just like letting shit happen because right. they have no voice. Yeah. One in four women, one in five men, America, UK and Australia have been sexually abused or molested or raped. Mm. That's a lot of people that's a lot of people a lot of trauma in their bodies and they're the only they're the ones that declare. Right. So you could double that. And that was also a part of my, I researched a TV series based on a rape. And so I knew a lot of this stuff from the research I'd done with rape counselors and interviewing victims. And I was like, oh my God, these poor actors, they were mm. like having to do stuff that they don't even feel comfortable with. And they so want the job, they don't know how to say no. Right. So I started that work. And I always used to say, like, we have fight coordinators, we have stunt supervisors. Well, where is the sexual coordinators, the, the intimacy coordinators? Mm. Then Me Too movement happened a few years later, and then that came to be, which is amazing. It is amazing. The industry is catching up. Is it enough yet? Um, I think it's a really great start. Yeah. I, I, I do feel like that kind of work needs a lot of personal work to right. be done first before you teach it yeah and having grown up with some sexual abuse mm. i've done a lot of personal personal work right and a lot of therapy yeah. and a lot of somatic work to move that stuff in my body mm. so that i could get to a place where i could you know be sexual in my life and remain in my body mm-hmm and then that helped me learn how to then teach others how to have boundaries, how to then find their incredible birthright to their sexuality. Right. Discover different archetypes within themselves and celebrate that and then channel it through the specific tone or nature of the scene or the character's sexuality. Hmm. But until you've done that personal work yourself, it's very hard to teach it and all the stuff that arises for people around sex is so much shame in our culture huge amount. it's a lot to process so mm. i you know i'm not sure how intimacy coaches are taught in this country mm-hmm. but i think it needs a lot of personal work done first just like when you train to be a psychologist mm. you know you have to do a lot of personal therapy first right and I think that's really essential. Otherwise, you're just heating up against your own stuff when you Absolutely. meet other people's blocks. So. And do you find, too, that the whatever the blocks that actors are coming up against in their work is a block that they're also coming up against in their life? Absolutely. Hand in hand. Hand in hand. Yeah. And, and when they do, as Ika Darville says, a mm. beautiful actor and friend, how we do life is how we do acting. Right. And how we do acting is how we do life. You can't go beyond where in acting where you've experienced in your life. You yeah. Just can't. Yeah. So you really have to go to that nth degree. Right. What sort of work do you think actors then should be doing? What what would you advise them to do outside of just being in class? Well, it depends on what the class is offering or sure. my understanding of what acting mastery offers is a more deeper approach to the work where you're taking into account the psyche of the human and the actor and working on an emotional level as well as offering craft skills Mm -hmm. so i think a balance of both yeah in order for how you do life is how you do acting you know a balance of the personal work Mm. and the craft skills but if the personal work doesn't get done and you're just going on craft yeah. eventually that gets a little boring and stale and dead you know there's only so and there's much, a lid on how lid far it can go how far it can go yeah and yeah. um so yeah i think they need to go in tandem mm. what have you drawn from outside of um traditional i guess acting training that you have found particularly useful i know you spoke about meditation I think there was a bit of kundalini work. Yeah, so kundalini practice um, from, I mean, I learned that back in the commune Washington mm, days. Right, um, yep. But then, you know, things like the Hoffman process, mm-hmm. um, deep primal screen therapy, mm, um, mm-hmm. breath work, yep. um, holotropic breath work, somatic therapy, mm. um, emotional freedom technique. EFT. Um Mm. Uh, landmark forum mm. um, 
you know, 12 step, like mm. a, there's a, a lot of different modalities, but a lot of dance practice, a lot of movement based practice, right? Um, five rhythms, very, you know, like women's circles, various workshops, do, working with fables, working mm. with old legends and myths, like many opportunities that I've had in my life to work with people who've done deep work that I'm like studying their lineage or, right. you know, like am, am afforded an opportunity to move emotion in a way that I didn't know was possible. Mm. All of that feeds in, ties in. How, what do you see as your, I guess, um, role as a storyteller? What, what role does story play in human life and why is it important? Mm, that's great questions. <laughs> um, well, do you know the psychologist Alice Miller? Yeah, the drama of the drama gifted, gifted child. child. Yeah. So she says this thing about how for a healthy child you need a balance of space and contact mm -hmm. and in the space children find autonomy and they find their own voice and they find their own curiosity and they and their imagination and, and there's like they get to differentiate and like discover their feeling self not just connected to mother or father mm. and then the contact is about attunement and presence mm -hmm. and reflecting the child back and giving them the sense of like this is how this is okay how you're feeling you're feeling deep deep anguish right now mm -hmm. oh, i get that wow yeah right well maybe they're really fucking angry and it's like whoa big rage right i'm right here and i got you mm -hmm. and all your rage is welcome bring it let's let's get a baseball bat let's get a pillow let's get it out mm -hmm. whatever it needs to come your grief Mm. Mm. and being there with the grief so that attunement that their feelings matter right that they matter mm. right that 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 is in important like they're that that to be reflected to be reflected right and what is cinema mm. <laughs> reflected image mm. we're just looking at ourselves trying to find identification and connection mm -hmm. and that we're not alone and that we are seen and we reflect and we resonate, right? Mm. And we go to have an experience of maybe a part of ourselves that is asleep or dormant that we want to ignite through other, mm. you know, and we get a taste for that or we, or there's a part where we just want to identify. Mm -hmm. We're finding our tribe through the movies that we're watching, mm. the TV that we're addicted to. Right. So I, I feel like as a storyteller, I'm, Offering resonance. Mm, I love that. Reflection. Holding the mirror up. I see you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I see and you. Telling stories like I once had to write, I can't remember what, I think it was in the Hoffman process, but, or maybe it was something my brother taught me, but who's also been a beautiful friend and mentor in my life, mm. Randall, um, that it was like a mission statement. That's right. I did. I worked with Dr. John Demartini, who's a philosopher, mm -hmm. and I did some of his breakthrough experience and various workshops. And we had to write a mission statement. Mm. And my mission statement was for my artist self, and it was to make art that reflected both the exquisite light mm. and dark in people mm. that would help transform them. Oh gosh, I just love that. And, that, and so that was like a, a, a commitment mm. for my life, for right. my art, and it's still a vocation. Is. It is. It mm. still is. Like I want to deeply express and reflect their beauty, their mm. light, their life force, their joy, as well as their dark, their right. shadow, their death, yeah. their their rage, their deep, desolate grief, their despair, mm. and everything in between. Yeah. But not just the surface. Everything's okay, right? And I'm perfect over here. Yeah. Yeah. There's something. The spectrum of it all. Yeah. In the acknowledgement of of not just the light, but also the dark. That um, bringing that to the surface that is transforming. Yeah. Yeah. And very much in how I teach, it's like 
you'll hear me say like, okay, let's presence that. Let's let's not splinter off that part. Let's bring in that bit of shame. Or mm-hmm. Let's really present that part that feels so angry mm-hmm. or so fucking confused. Mm-hmm. Let's bring it in. Let's yeah. welcome it into the temple. Bring all the parts. Nothing's to be left out. Mm-hmm. So it's like if we can presence those different parts of ourselves, we stop fracturing ourselves, we stop splintering off, we stop the mental madness right. where things get rejected or suppressed, but rather we welcome them, embrace them, even if they're insanely painful. Right. You know? Yeah. Because when you, as soon as you bring awareness to something, it starts dissolving its grip on you. Mm. Do you have any favorite tools in particular? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> It's uh, a big question. Dance yeah. is a favorite tool. Um, Why is that? Because it embodies and yes, grounds. Yes, it's just so fun. And it's fun. And embodies <laughs> it and you get to express yourself without the mind and body gets to be free and play and roam and all the things. Um, sound, making mm, sound yeah. is, a, is a, a tool that I really love. Mm. Um, you spoke a bit during the course about the importance of actually articulating something to yourself whether Mm -hmm. it's in a a kind of a sense memory exercise why is that important so when you bring um like truth forward and Mm -hmm. you own it and Mm -hmm. you claim it and you speak it which is why um if i say like i feel sad Mm. right it's different than you feel sad one feels sad but if I claim it and own it, it mm. makes it real for me. I feel it. I even felt it just saying it then. It mm. triggered some sadness. Yeah. Um, then it's it's embodied. Mm. It's not just a concept I'm talking about my feelings. It's a felt sense, mm-hmm. right? Mm. And then that allows more presence. And screen presence mm. is the ability to be present with all the feelings. I love that. So that is really important presencing left eye to left eye contact so why engaging. left eye to left so eye the left eye is is connected to the right, right side right. of the brain which is your emotional side mm-hmm. so the looking you looking into my left eye me looking to your left eye is engaging our emotional connection mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. so that stuff is really special really important and then the tools that we use to break through the major block right blocks several of them Mm -hmm. um is a gift that i learned from the lineage of burning women's circle that i'm in um, which i've then adapted to this master class and taken it further it's incredibly powerful so we witnessed it today yes yeah (laughs) we smashed some emotional concrete there was a lot of concrete excavation and smashing happening today yeah Yeah. and so much beautiful freedom and joy and empowerment and courage so much courage Mm. the actors rocked it out of the park Mm. someone once said to me that they thought they used to think that actors were people who like to feel but came to realize that they were really people who long to feel more um that there's something about the the craft of acting that gives them that permission to feel even more. That's beautiful. Yeah. What do you think about that? I agree. <laughs> You'd agree. agree. Yeah. <laughs> and and also I feel like there's something what I love about actors is mm. that willingness to feel in mm. service of something greater than themselves. Because right. it's terrifying. And it it's is tough. Yeah. And it's intense. Yeah. It really is. It's a lot. It is. Ooh. And to do I mean, that without shutting down. Right. You know? And which which is why when actors sometimes, you know, like have a tantrum or are freaking out, I have a lot of compassion because mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. And they just spent the last six weeks or three days completely busted wide open, mm-hmm. having to use all of their trauma to evoke their grief, mm. take up to take or their rage or their insecurity or their vulnerability or whatever like that's massive you know what that does to the psyche unless you have a really good self-care regime Mm. routine so like yeah i I get the tantrum it's just the little self going fucking enough already totally 
you know so it doesn't mean i take abuse from actors but i can hold a space where they can ricochet the tantrum and have their feelings and then usually underneath that there's just vulnerability Mm, these these inner children yeah yeah Yeah. and the bravery of the actor is the willingness to engage the inner child right like ellen burston says acting is the willingness to suffer Mm -hmm. only it gets easier the getting easier is the using of tools mm. to plant landmines to help trigger the stuff in service of moment by moment what the character's going through and needs and wants. Mm-hmm. And the getting easier, my language, is the self-care. Right. Yeah. The more you self-care, the more you can give. Mm. But the actor who, you know, does the big day of giving on set and then goes and drinks and obliterates themselves, it's really hard to keep showing up open. Mm-hmm when you don't necessarily take care of yourself and i mean i'm talking about drinking to excess like Mm. where you're like annihilating yourself and then you're like all the kind of toxic Mm. stuff that comes with that right that's one of the things i love about watching you work is just is just how much compassion you bring but not only bring yourself but uh, encourage the actors to give to themselves yeah, just absolutely. that so much love yeah. and kindness to themselves yeah. i think that was something that i realized even last night going home was just the importance of it again just being kinder to myself yeah, absolutely mm. and i just want to honor my mom in this moment Please. so my mom just passed suddenly mm-hmm. bless her and in that in the couple of days that when she passed I had my little girl inside going like, oh, my God, like, who's going to love me unconditionally like my mom? Wow. And then I was like, oh, wow, mom, this is the biggest, best teaching you've ever given me. Wow. It's me now. Right. I'm going to be that. Yeah. That unconditional source of love. I'm going to be that voice Mm. that's always there and that's always like, I've got you. Mm. And I'm like, what a gift. Like, I get to grow a bigger part of me mm. now. Mm. And not that I don't still have her to talk to in another realm, and I have been talking to her. Mm. Um, but in the day-to-day of, like, I can't call her anymore, <laughs> I can't go and see her, right. and I get to be that for me, yeah. which is, like, talk about practice what you preach. Like, mm. it's like... <laughs> It feels like a big, like, initiation into even more stepping into that beautiful, loving, all-knowing, all-wise part of self that can love self. Mm. What, a, what a gift. Such a gift. Mm. And, you know, the, the, the hard thing with the actor paradigm is mm. that they give and give and give, and then eventually, like, there's the applause. Right. So it can be really easy to lose one's way and try and get the love outside in the applause and in the accolades. And even as a filmmaker, there's a temptation for that. But that, you know, you're always going to be put on a pedestal and put in a pit. Right. It doesn't matter what you do. (laughs) So having yourself as a consistent source of that self-love enables you to keep loving no matter what happens. Yeah. Whether you get the awesome review or the shit review or that person wanting to give you the gig and then the next day no one wants to know you or whatever the, the thing is because the actor trajectory is like up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, mm-hmm. right? Like Completely. One minute you're flying with the month, next minute no one wants to. Hope and despair exactly, a lot of the time. Exactly, yeah. So if you have a consistent presence right. for self during that time, it doesn't matter what's happening externally. Mm. You can stay with self. Even when you're being hailed, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you still got to stay with that self-worth not based on you being hailed but just because you are love Mm. i had a friend who's um a five-year-old son just won the young archie award at the Ah. archibald prize and he said a wonderful thing that you know that he would have been he would have been just as happy had he not won (laughs) as had he won (laughs) it's absolutely fine right i thought that was such a wonderful lesson for us yeah um, finally, are there any, you, you've spoken a little bit about mentors and, and um, obviously your dear mum, who have been your heroes? Are there people that you look up to? Yeah. 
So Arnie Bro. Mm. So Arnie Bro is a Danish um, film professor, and he changed my life when I went to the Binger um, Film Lab in Amsterdam for five months back in 2010. How's that? he was just so fucking radical. Mm. He like came in, he stood on top of the desk and he was like, I want you all to stand on your desk. And we were like, why? And he was like, like I want you to get a new perspective. Right, yeah. I want you to see the world differently. Yeah. And then he helped me find my truth wow. in my visual style. Right. He helped me find my, what, what was my voice, my story, my images, my frames, my, what was I drawn to? What was my, you know, like, painterly aesthetic and like to love it and embrace it when was this 2010 yeah Before interesting because there's such a consistency in your films i noticed huh. and i mean thematically and right. and visually mm-hmm. it was um yeah it, it felt really like you really have embrace a like both the alpha and the omega in me and that's another practice of work that i do is working with alpha omega energy in um, sexual yoga mm. and, and sexual intimacy. So there's that other lineage as well. Um, but what is anyway, alpha and omega? So alpha being like consciousness, um, it's just not regulated to male or female or, right. male or anything. It's just the consciousness, the witness of the presence, the riverbanks, mm-hmm. and then omega being energy, flow, feeling, right. wild, the, mm-hmm. the flow of water. In the river. Within the river banks. Without the river banks, you have no structure in a scene. Right. You have no, you forget your accent, you forget your given circumstances, you forget what you want, your objectives, your inner and outer obstacles, your dilemmas, your fears, right? So you need the banks. Mm. You need the alpha structure. Mm-hmm. I don't mean alpha like an alpha male. I Got mean it. structure, consciousness, witness. Right. Yeah. Right? And, but without, the omega and the feelings and the wild energy and the movement and the chaos, mm. you have no life force mm. in the scene. Right. So you need the river flow. Mm-hmm. But if there's too much of that with no structure, then you've just got emotional blur and kind of a wash of feeling with no nuance, no character, no given circumstances. So both are... No specificity. No specificity. Yeah. <laughs> you need both. Yeah. Right. So in helping people find, you'll notice today, one of the actors I was working with very closely on finding her inner masculine mm-hmm. or her inner alpha or her witness mm-hmm. that can presence the big flood of feeling when it comes and not feel overwhelmed, but rather go, oh, wow, big feeling, deep breath, mm-hmm. breathe deep. I'm right here and I've got you. Mm. rather than, ah, outsource, handle your baby in a child to someone else. Right. Right? Which for the other actor in a scene, when the actor can't run the emotion in their own system without collapsing mm-hmm. or without, like, putting all their need energetically, the other actor often just gets repelled and, like, right away. Yeah, their so boundary that comes So inner up. and outer is really important. Mm. Um, Arnie Bro that man he's so wild mm. and radical and he really helped me embrace the very strong alpha that i have wow and the very sensitive feminine presence extraordinary both mm. and it was a it was a feeling of being seen mm. i was like oh wow i am both these energies mm. i'm really intense in both the ways in my power and strength and witness and consciousness and then also in my delicate sensitive feeling self mm-hmm. both of those um susan batson yeah is a mentor um i loved working with susan that was a game changer and a life changer mm, i um, love her work the the intimacy teachers london um London Winters and Justin Patrick Pierce from mm-hmm. America have been big mentors in my mm-hmm. life. Um, Gianamala, I don't even know my main mentor's surname. <laughs> I just know her as Gianamala, um, who's been my mentor for like 20 something years. Who is she? She's a therapist. Right. And I sent a lot of actors to her. Mm-hmm. She's incredible. She's in Melbourne. Um, and I just saw her last week. You know, Fabulous. I met on cast. Yeah. Um, so I, I create the community around me, mm. you know, and then women's circle that I've been sitting in for like seven, eight years 
with a bunch of women that we meet three times a week, uh, three times a year for a weekend. Wow. And travel life together. Wow. Know? So creating like community is really important to me. I mm. can't do this alone. No. I don't want to do life alone. No. Yeah. Well, look, Kim, on that note, thank you so much. You've been so generous with your time and, and with your incredible um, process and wisdom and generosity. Which it's just an absolute honor for us Aww. to to host you here at Acting Mastery. And, and we, thanks for your depth. Oh, gosh. Both you and your partner, Holly. Um, thanks for your depth because this works not for everyone mm. and this amount of depth and intensity is not for everyone mm. but to be met and held and welcomed and that this was this works being treated in a sacred way is such a blessing so i'm so grateful we're so grateful and honored thank you so much kim barrett oh.